0: Hey, what's up guys? It's Michael from The Honest Youth Pastor back again with another sermon review. This week, we're gonna be looking at a sermon review from someone called Real Talk Kim uh, from Limitless Church. Uh, The sermon particularly that we're looking at today is uh, from a series apparently called Catfish. The sermon title is Breakdown for Breakthrough. Now I, uh, a long, 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 long time ago, did a meme using a clip of Kim's, like part of Kim's sermon in a meme um so just so my cards are on the table from the get-go was not impressed uh, so today we're gonna be looking at one of her sermons and uh, i think this is gonna be helpful for you in a couple of different ways and we'll talk about those kind of as those ways pop up throughout the sermon but before we start before, if you're new here and you have no idea what a sermon review is or what we do with these sermon reviews let me break it down real quick for you one we uh look at varying different sermons over the internet from a variety of different pastors sometimes it's pastors that you guys suggest in the comment section sometimes it's pastors that i come across uh because of the youtube algorithm uh and then we look at them when we go and take an hour and then we look at as much as we can in an hour from their sermon and kind of look at the good things the bad things um Is this uh, preaching helpful? Do they use the text well? Do they actually preach the word, divide the word? Uh, Or is it a bunch of storytelling and moralism and, you know, things like that? So basically, we look at the red flags. Uh, I try with these sermon reviews to give you uh, tools uh, to help maybe discern as you watch a variety of different sermons that you're going to come across. Uh, Try to give you the tools to say, is this a good sermon or a bad sermon? And basically, what is going to make that isn't necessarily like the methodology. Right. So it's not going to be necessarily the speaking style or how the stage looks or how the people dress or uh, what denomination they're from. None of that. It's going to be, okay, do they present scripture? Do they read scripture? Do they, uh, do they comb through what the scripture is as far as the words that are used, the context, the culture? Do they bring that out and then show us how us as modern day believers, uh, this now applies to us or how we can apply this? Uh, and how we can be edified from and learn from and then be sent out into the world to declare our good God and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's another thing as well in these sermons. Not every sermon is going to necessarily present the gospel straight out as far as we're all sinners in need of Jesus and you need him as well, though many will, but that's something we look for as well. Uh, When the gospel is presented, is it presented in a scriptural way? Um, So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're looking at Limitless Church, which is the church that uh kim or real talk kim uh pastors um and today is called breakdown for breakthrough i I, again i before we get into this if this is your first one because i know a, a lot of the times people come to these sermon reviews because of the pastor that i'm reviewing and looking at um this is not about saying how great kim is or how bad kim is this is saying let's look at how kim preaches and see if this is helpful or not so that's what we're looking at so let's get into the sermon today breakdown for breakthrough from limitless church
1: but the great reveal last week was talking about how so often in our lives we allow things to uh, come on us and we walk around and own it
0: now before we get too far into this this is from uh real talk kim's youtube page right so if you want to watch this full sermon in the description, because we're not going to get through it all, even though it's uh, it's about 28 minutes long, we're not going to be able to probably get through the whole thing. But if you want to watch this without my commentary, it's in the description below. Um, I don't know what's been set up to this point because as we come into this sermon, it's pretty clear that she's she's kind of being she's caught in mid-sentence as the camera, like you know, actually you know, lets us listen to what's being said. So I'm not sure what was said before this, but this is essentially her intro. So let's go.
1: And I want to talk to you about that today because where the enemy gets us when we've been catfished, whether we feel catfished from a family, Maybe we we're raised in the wrong family. Maybe we've had to struggle. Anybody in here had to struggle your whole life? You just feel like you've struggled? Like, you look at other people's lives on social media, and you're like, man, like, they they look like they just got it going on. Like, they they, they just, they'd have babies and pop them out, and they go back to snatched. And, I mean, they got, their, their husband looks like he stepped out of GQ, and mine looks like he stepped out of DQ. And I, I just don't understand how come everybody's blessed but me. Anybody ever felt that way? Where you feel like everything's a constant struggle? right well that's the enemy because the enemy knows I always tell you guys this he can't take you out so he's trying to wear you out how does he do that by making us start thinking about ourselves right when we're in a struggle when we've been in a pandemic for the last two years I was thinking today on the plane how it's so normal for us to all have masks on now like everywhere we go do y'all remember when we when we first started wearing masks and you felt like man we're just everybody's bank robbers You know what I'm saying? like, But now, what the enemy does is he... What's wrong? Oh, Lord. Is that good? Thank you. What ends up happening is the enemy gets us in those seasons where we're broken down, where we are in a pandemic, and we're isolated, and he starts making us feel like everything that our minds are telling us behind closed doors. Right? You will be in the middle of church. Anybody ever done this? You'll be in the middle of church, and all of a sudden something that you did at six years old pops back in your head. Anybody? Like literally, you will, you will think about that DUI that was 26 years ago. And you'll start feeling a sick place in your belly. Like stuff just comes back. That person you slept with or that time you were drunk and you don't remember how you got home. And you just start feeling this dark pit in the bottom of your belly. Well, when we walk through these catfish seasons, a catfish season that we've been talking about around here is when it's not really God, right? Because God's not a God of chaos and confusion. And so what we end up doing is we either go to the hot or to the cold. Like we either go. All
0: right. So her intro here, I just want to point out. Um, You're going to see this occasionally with usually non-denominational churches in regards to kind of the structure. So if you listen to this first couple minutes, what you're seeing is she's appealing to um, a a subset group of people, right? So people that have felt like they're disconnected from their families. They feel like everything's stacked against them. They feel like... um, either either they feel like or it has been like just trouble upon trouble upon trouble for them uh alcoholism sleeping around waking up because you blacked out and you don't know where you're at like like those sorts of things um apply to certain groups of people i mean it's just a matter of like again family structure how you grew up where you grew up regionally what happened like that's not a shared experience amongst everyone so what you normally find there are churches, and there's there's a couple churches around where I'm at um, that do good work in the sense that they are very they appeal to those that have um, been through a lot of drug addiction or have been through like a lot of mean, like, they share this past of broken backgrounds and trauma and things like that. And normally, uh, we all tend to group ourselves uh, based upon you know our light our like. Our likeness, right? So as far as shared shared uh, background, shared understanding, shared whatever, and um, that can be good, that can be bad. I would, uh, we're not going to talk about that now, but I just want you to see that that's kind of that that's the people that uh, Kim is appealing to right off the bat, right? Um, If you watch any of her, her other sermons, which I mean, go for it, but that seems to be kind of her niche as far as. Um, especially women that have had really rough backgrounds. But again, if you look into it, and I have looked in, I had to when I made a meme a long, long time ago um, because I got a lot of flack for it. I looked into a little bit of who Kim is and she has had a really tough past. She has had uh, struggles with alcoholism and abusive relationships and things like that. So that seems to be like her ministry kind of mindset. Um, so that's who she appeals to, not only in this sermon, but it seems to be the, at least the... the less than a handful that I've seen, that seems to be a theme. Um, when you go into a church, and this is where it kind of goes into a total thing as we're watching sermons, um, you, you should be able to fill out the culture pretty quickly as far as, um, especially in a sermon like this, where you kind of know right off the bat, like who, who this sermon is kind of pointed at, who this sermon is kind of for. Um, and I just want you to kind of pick that up. Right. There's going to be a variety of different ways that pastors open sermons, but that tells you a lot about who they are trying to either particularly minister to that day or, in general, kind of who this church is for. And I think that's where, without getting to a lot of it, I think that's where churches that focus just on one sort of um uh, background or personality kind of get in trouble because obviously the church is this this plethora of different backgrounds and experiences and economic classes and uh, ethnicities and like that's the point like especially where you're at um depending on where your church is at like it should be sort of this this feel of the community um so it, it gets a little problematic if it's just this one kind of subset of individuals based on background or whatever um but anyway, I just want you to pick that up. Those are the things you kind of listen for is like, who is this for? Because, um, I know there's a group of people that like, I know that if they're sitting here, they're going like, none of this really applies to me. So that's where as pastors, we have to be mindful of that. Like, who are we preaching to? Um, how are they taking this? Like, is it connecting with them? And I think, I mean, on Kim's part, she knows who she's talking to. Um, and therefore that's kind of how she's, that's why she's directing it in this way. But I just want to point that out. Let's keep going.
1: The way over here, super pseudo religious, or we're over here and we're like, We don't, we, you know, we're gonna come to Jesus when we get it together, right? I'm gonna wait until I find myself and then I'm gonna come to Jesus. Or we go all the way to the extreme, there's never a middle. You know what I'm saying? It's either right now, it's either you're getting the vaccine or you're not getting the vaccine. If you don't get the vaccine, uh, you're going to hell. If you get the vaccine, you're going to hell. You don't trust God. It's always hot or cold, but there's never a middle. And when God allows you to walk through things in your life, he allows you to walk through things to make you better. He allows you. He's trusting you with these seasons in your life. I was thinking about it. On that plane, looking around, all of us are sitting there with these masks on. All we can see is our eyeballs. And I started thinking about how so often in our lives, I want you to think about right now, online, here in this church, I want you to think about the one place and time in your life when you felt like you walked through something and you never came back to who you really were. Think about it, that one moment that devastated you, whether it was a child dying, whether it was a dad walking out, whether it was your mom and daddy screaming and yelling at each other, and then all of a sudden, next thing you knew, you never saw your dad again. Like, what is it that stopped you? And in fact, I have counseling friends. They said, usually, it's always a situation of where the child is stuck at seven, eight, four, nine, and they got stuck there because they didn't know how to rationalize them what themselves out of a place. I'm so used to struggling that for the rest of my life I'm gonna struggle. I'm so used to hearing a woman yelling at a man that I'm gonna yell at my husband. I'm gonna, all I know is, is to leave my family and not take care of my family because my dad was never there so never, nobody ever taught me how to be a man. See what the enemy does? The enemy starts making everything in your life phony.
0: Okay, so a couple things here I want to point out as we kind of get into this, because we're about five minutes in, so you know, introduction-wise, we should be ending pretty soon. Um, Now, there's a variety of ways to open a sermon up, right? So you can tell a story, you can kind of do what Kim's doing here, and setting up a premise of, you know, this is how you might feel. Um, You can open the scripture. There's a variety of ways to do it, right? The idea is that eventually um, you get past your intro, you kind of set up the premise and then you go into scripture. So what we're seeing here, right? Not that this is my preferred method by any means, but to give the benefit of the doubt, if you're going to start a sermon like this, so now we've set up the premise that obviously there's hurt in the world. Obviously there's problems in the world. I mean, everything she's naming is like, it it comes from sin and a broken world. So the idea is, as I'm listening to it, right, is I'm thinking, well, here in a moment, like, whenever her intro's over, we are then going to pivot from, here are all the problems in the world, pivot on Scripture and say, and here is the solution to that being Jesus, right, um, the Holy Spirit's work in your life, Um So let's watch for that. Let's see how she pivots out of this introduction of everything is broken, everything's bad. You know that because you've experienced it. I mean, all of these examples she's giving are experienced situations um, to connect with the people she's talking to about the broken world, specifically a broken world that they've experienced. The other minor thing that I want you to pay attention to and I hope that you've kind of picked up on, but if not, it does kind of get progressively Um, Louder throughout the service is she keeps referencing the enemy like the devil right this idea that all of the problems in your life are caused by uh, She keeps saying the enemy, so I'm gonna try to stick with that language, but All of these problems are caused by the enemy the enemy is coming against you the enemy Knows that you have a dream and the enemy is trying to crush that dream, right? So it's always the enemy so She's giving a fairly predominant place to Satan here in regards to the problems of the world. So it's not that as far as if I'm listening to this and, you know, I'm just listening to Kim and I don't really have a theological background or a building in scripture. If all I'm doing is listening to Kim, what I'm putting together right now, at least, is that the problems in the world are, are coming from, you know, from Satan, from the adversary, from the enemy. It's not from a broken and fallen world in which all problems come from. It's from Satan. So he has some power now. Like he's got, he's the one that's messing in all of my business. Um, And that's sort of the predominant theme that she's setting up here.
1: And you don't even know what's real. So today I'm going to title this sermon, Breakdown for Breakthrough. You had to walk through that season in order for you to be able to break through. You had to get to that place. And so I want to share with you, and this is our drive-by. we got 15 minutes. So y'all get your phones out, whatever you got to do, because this is a great ending. So I want to talk to you. I want to go from Romans 8, 37, and it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Ain't it crazy how when we come out of a devastating season, And all of a sudden, we don't feel that devastation anymore. We start thinking something's wrong. You ever seen, oh, something ain't going right here. Oh, I'm waiting for something. There's something not right. Why? It's going too good. Life's too good. I'm getting too many breaks.
0: Okay, so listen to what she's doing here, right? So she's not going to necessarily focus on um, one particular passage in this sermon. Um, she's going to go from different, from different ones, but her primary, her first one is going to be Romans eight, uh, 37, which is a verse that I think a lot of us are familiar with in regards to, um, if you've been in church very long at all being, know uh, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And she doesn't go on any further, but I will just so you can kind of get the breadth of it for, I am not, for I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus Christ, or in God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, the idea being here that um, we're more than conquerors because God turns everything in our lives um, into, into good, whether it be the suffering that we go through or the things we go through, he, we're more than conquerors in all of it because of Jesus Christ, like it all wraps around, um, and in some way becomes good, even the most devastating situation. And there's so much, (laughs) um, I'll say this because she doesn't get into it, but there's so much good news there in that verse about like seeing things in a Christian perspective that the world simply doesn't have a lens for. So that like when we talk about suffering, like we're talking about like real suffering, like like loss of all things, no hope to be found. When we're talking about death, we're talking about, I mean, death of loved ones and people close, like things that that devastate us. Paul is saying in these things we're more than conquerors through them, through him who loved us. And there's a lot there, like powerful, like a lot of powerful Christian perspective there. Um, that the world simply does not have. Let's see how Kim at least uses this verse in light of what she's opened up with.
1: Breaks, right? But it says right here, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe, just maybe, the enemy is trying to stop your dream. Maybe, just maybe, you've walked through this rough season. Maybe you've lost loved ones back to back. And now you're devastated and you've lost everything and you got to move back in with your mama. Or Or you're over here having to figure out how to be a single mama after you never had it in your cards to be a single mama. Whatever the story is, maybe, just maybe, the enemy is trying to stop your dream because he knows what's on the other side. You write a book, it don't do as good as you wanted it to, so now you just throw it off. Well, I thought I was supposed to be ministry, but I don't guess I am now because it didn't take off like Kim's did. We're always comparing our lives. We're always comparing our families. We're always comparing our everything.
0: Did you catch that humble brag there? My book didn't take off like Kim's did. I don't know that little things like that annoy me in a sermon because now what you're doing is you're drawing the attention off of what you're actually trying to say back onto you i'm sorry that was a little petty i'll admit that let's keep going
1: well i I mean my kids are 27 and 25 and they feel like they've got to have their whole entire life in order And they are beating themselves up. Well, I should be able to take care of my wife. No, both people need to be working. But the society and social media has brainwashed us with all these filters and all these people's highlight reels. That now we're believing that everybody's life's perfect. But how many of you know in this room today, nobody's life is doggone perfect. We're all walking through seasons of devastation. And the enemy knows that you've got a voice, and you've got a call, and you've got an anointing. And so he's using anything that's close to you to stop you. Anything that matters to you, he's wanting to stop you. How does he do it? He starts messing with them because he can't mess with you. (laughs) Hebrews 10.30.
0: Okay, so uh, so she's moving on to Hebrews. But... This is what I would encourage you to do later. Now I don't know. You can pause this video, read through Romans eight, and see if you come to the same conclusion of what she's talking about in Romans eight. So Paul here, when he goes through Romans eight, I mean, he's talking about God's love. He's talking about our future glory. He's talking about life in the spirit. That we're heirs with Christ. Like there's so much there. Um, it's not like the the you're, It's not that your book didn't do good or that your life's not perfect, or that there's a little struggle there. Like the idea is that as we walk with Christ, right, we're going to come across situations. In this case, what he's talking about um, is, is some pretty pretty hard situations for the Romans. But in all of this, like in all of the things that Paul's mentions, and again, read Romans 8 and then get to Romans eight thirty-seven and see what Paul is talking about all the way up to that point in regards to like nothing can separate us in this life from Christ. Like that that alone could be I mean that that has been for a number of different people an entire sermon on helping the believer realize that no matter what happens in your life, no matter the uh, the, the situations or the consequences or 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 anything that comes at you. Big or small. That that Christ is enough. It's a perspective shift in in how a believer sees the situations in our lives that come at us. It's not about, you know, our dream, the enemy's trying to crush our dream. Paul, (laughs) there's not even any hint of that in 8, in chapter 8, Romans 8. It's not that Satan's using those close to us to try to bring us down because he knows there's some big thing that we're anointed for on the other side. It's that through all of these things, like Paul says, through all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For surely neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, or anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like nothing can separate you from Christ. Nothing. Like this is the thing that Paul is trying to get across to those that he's writing to in Rome. Like all of the things that are going to come at you from a broken and fallen world, all of the evil that's going to come around, it, nothing can separate you. And there's a hope that can be found in that, a deep hope. And it's not you overcoming something. It's, it's Jesus. The, the one that's already overcome. That's who we put our hope in. It's a decidedly different message than you are anointed on the other side and you can overcome this. All right, sorry, we're moving on to Hebrews.
1: 35 to 36 says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. So do not throw away your confidence. Even whenever you got to sell your house on the courtroom steps, even when they come in and say, I don't love you anymore, you cannot throw your confidence. Some of y'all have lost your confidence. You lost your confidence in the pandemic when you lost your six-figure job, sir. And now you lost your confidence because you gloated in the fact that you could take care of your family because that's what men are supposed to do. But what happens when you walk through a devastating season and you find yourself here? You're either going to get better or you're going to get bitter. You're either going to let the devil know you should have messed with somebody else because I ain't throwing my confidence away. Do not throw this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward he brings you. It says in verse 36, patient, endurance is what you need now. That's when you need it, huh, Eliza? You need need endurance because how many of you know it is not easy to get up and move when you don't know where you're going? You're suffering humiliation. Everybody's talking about you. And now you're, what? You're this age and at this age you were supposed to already have 10 grandkids. You only got one kid. Because we got the society telling us, the social media telling us this is the way it's supposed to be. But it says patience endurance is what you need now. That means you got to hold on, but you can't quit. It says then you will receive patient endurance so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive patient endurance. That means stop getting ahead of God and then blaming God when it don't work out patient endurance then you will receive all that he has promised you so what does that look like just-
0: okay so this is what i, I want to focus on real quick because she talks about promises a lot so let's read the entire context of what we're looking at. And this is important to do with anybody's sermon, right? If they're going to go through and have a bunch of different texts, note those texts down so that you can write them, so you can go back later and read through the full context of what's happening. Now, there's obviously a lot that's happened up in, up until this point in Hebrews. But Hebrews 10, she has it starting in 35 and 36. That's actually in the middle of an actual section. So we're going to start in verse 32, what it says. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. It's interesting how we miss that there's 35 where she starts therefore do not throw away your confidence which is a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of god you may receive what is promised for four and then there's a quote here yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those that have faith and perceive and preserve their souls. What the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, specifically in the promise, is the promise of salvation. Uh, he's talking to people that said, "You were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction." That's verse thirty-three. You even uh, were with those that were so treated. That's the end of verse thirty-three. In verse thirty-four. Uh, they have compassion of those in prison and they themselves actually joyfully accepted the plundering of the property since um, it says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. This is, again, talking about your salvation. This is the promise hope that a Christian has. This is the perspective shift that I was talking about back in Romans eight. This idea that as believers, we see we see life differently. So the promise we're talking about here, the promise that uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about is that that of salvation, our salvation in Christ. So we, we have hope in situations that are not ideal, but we have hope in those situations because we know we have a greater hope in one that has already conquered the world, that we have a one that has already conquered sin and death. Like we have hope in Jesus. That is our promised hope, our salvation found in him. So with, with that knowledge, Let's see what she says.
1: Since we've been talking about catfish and we've been talking about, you know, character and all of these things, perseverance is the key to breakthrough. Perseverance is a key to breakthrough, but here's the problem. So many of us stop short of what God has launched us towards. See, a lot of times things have to break down so they can get back in order the way they were supposed to be in the first place, right? You're looking at it as devastation and failure, but God's saying, I never told you to go that direction. And so you've been praying and fasting and now you're all skeletons, you skeleton bones and you can't even lift your hand to pray because you're so weak because you've been fasting over something that I never told you to get in in the first place. You're over here being loyal to a mistake. You're being, oh honey, what? You're over here letting your problems be your prison and wondering how come I can't get up. But you've lost your perseverance. When one door closed, you sat for too long. You quit coming to church. You started lie, laying in your bed, eating bonbons, scratching you behind. I did it. Until I went to the doctor and they said, girl, you overweight. And I said, no, I ain't. He said, yes, you are. I had to get myself back in line. Why? Because it wasn't going to fall off by itself. I had to do some things that made me sweat. I had to do some things that were hard. But we stop short of what God has launched us towards. And then we give up right before it's time to go up. We stop. We're supposed to go up, but we stop. We allow fear to paralyze us. And then we start hearing noise, voices, because the enemy will send counterfeit situations. Oh, girl, I think this is it. (laughs) I've been struggling for a long time. I think this is my door. You jump in at every door you can jump in because it ain't moving quick enough. But one thing I've learned about my God, he don't move on your time schedule. Don't that stink? Why if he's a good, good father, don't he move on my timeline? I got myself together. I'm doing so good, but we-
0: Okay, so a lot there. I think it's pretty clear, hopefully it's clear, that um, she's not talking about the same perseverance and endurance that the writer of Hebrews is. Obviously, the writer of Hebrews is talking about a perseverance and endurance that we have through Jesus, knowing that there's a better hope on the other side of whatever it is, the plundering, uh, the helping prisoners, the, uh, the words against us as believers, like whatever that is, the adversity that comes toward us because of our faithful, diligent walk with Jesus, whatever that is that comes for us, we have patience, endurance, because we have hope in Jesus. We know that our promised salvation is on the other side of that. So we patiently endure through whatever that situation is. And this is not the same thing that she's talking about. She keeps setting up life scenarios in which like, uh, you know you uh, what she just said, well, I've got my life together, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Why is this working out? That all of these situations that she's talking about that you're supposed to endure through, or that maybe you're, you're, you're enduring through, that you shouldn't endure through, which is the exact opposite. I mean, it has nothing to do with what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And this is why, let's stop real quick. This is why it's so important that one, if you, if you hear a pastor preaching a sermon in which they're kind of going from place to place, picking out scripture uh, to make their point that you write those down, a red flag in doing that is if they go to one passage of scripture and they read only two verses, and then they go to over this passage of scripture and they only read two verses and they go over here and only read two verses because most of the time as we've just found with the example in Hebrews specifically um, we're like we're only picking two of them out we're picking the most convenient two out within that section to make a point that the passage itself if we were to actually have read the whole thing doesn't make itself right so we already know this this far into the sermon we're only 12 min- 11 minutes into the actual sermon that this isn't a place we want to be, and this isn't a person we want to be listening to, because she's already proven twice that she can't handle Scripture correctly. Now, granted, she was she was closer on Romans, though she still didn't hit the nail on the head there. But she's way off on Hebrews. So, this is one of the things that we're looking for, right? So, I would just I can't encourage you enough that as you listen to sermons, write that Scripture down. You know, look at it later when you go home within the full context and body of what we're looking at. So within Romans, you'd have to read all of Romans 8. Within Hebrews, really, I mean, you, sh- you could read the whole chapter, but you really only needed to go two verses before to see that it wasn't in line with what was being said. But the idea is that you do your due diligence, right? So you're sitting down and saying, is this actually what this passage says? Is it actually what this pastor is saying? Because if it's not, that's incredibly problematic, and that's the thing we want to look for in sermons is the scripture that's being used, being used within context. Uh, that, that completely, I mean, at no point are we ever going to go into culture with Kim. We're also not going to go into word study with Kim. None of those things, which are also important uh, in many regards. If you're preaching through, especially a, a section of scripture to cover. Um, but anyway, let's keep going.
1: Give up. And then fear starts paralyzing us because the more we give up, the harder it is to get up. Because then all of a sudden it's the law of draw, negative Nellies start coming around us. All of a sudden we realize everybody else's life looks worse than ours, so we're good. Oh, we're good. So we just end up camping out over there in mediocrity because we're better than everybody else in our circle that ain't good either. Oh, so we stop short of our purpose that has been promised by God exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask or think. You're over here struggling like, oh, my gosh. You can't even barely put food on your table. And instead of asking yourself, y'all, God, what do you want me to do next? Instead, you're getting so busy that you can't even hear God. Keeping yourself so busy, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling for a word, for a word, for a word, for a word. But you ain't opened your Bible one time. Well, I don't understand the Bible. They got the whole thug Bible that talks like most of us. Basically, the thug Bible is like, girl, bye, sit down till I tell you. I will knock you upside the head when it's right. Right? We will stop getting in catfish situations. When we realize, oh, no, Joker. Oh, no, 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 no. I just saw you when your credit card didn't go through on our date. You just acted a whole fool. So guess who ain't never going out with you again? Me. Me. No, we don't do that. We just, we just allow ourselves to, to just fall into places where we feel like I'll just take a crumb of this and a crumb of that. So we stop short of our purpose and then all of a sudden we lose the promise that God has for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to glory. From glory to glory to glory to glory, which means everywhere we go, glory to glory, glory to glory, blessings and favor and abundance start chasing us down.
0: Okay. Okay, so, um, no. So you can go, um, this word promise is what she seems to be focusing on. So we focused on, um, anyway, let, let's, let's, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter one. Um, s- <laughs> the promise here that we're referring to, again, is salvation. The, our promised salvation. Um, so one, we're, we're ignoring, and this is what I want us to see here, um, particularly in this sermon. We're we're ignoring salvation as being that promise that we patiently endure for, that uh, we're more than conquerors in him uh, because of Jesus Christ. No matter what occurs in our lives, we're more than conquerors in it because we have hope in Jesus. Again, our salvation. We've missed three times here the opportunity to talk about the gospel, right? Right? If, we're, if, our, if our promise is our salvation found in Jesus, then one, why do we need salvation? Two, why is it such a predominant theme in scripture? And why are we talking about it? I mean, all of the, the things that she started off, off, off with in this sermon in regards to the brokenness in families, the brokenness in relationships, the brokenness in the world, all of that that comes from sin and death and problematic, I mean, just, just chasing after debauchery that leads to those things. Like what's the solution to that? Like how, how, how do any of those things get fixed in a person's life? It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. It's through the salvation we have in Jesus. So we're in rebellion toward God, and our rebellion towards God because of our sin nature back in Genesis 3, we just chase after all of these things that lead to the very things that she mentioned before, broken families, broken houses, dads that don't, that aren't there, they don't provide, they don't love. We have moms that they go off and do a whole sorts of other things, chasing down men that are never going to be able to do what they want them to do, and we end up with broken families. And now these kids grow up in broken families and they become adults and they they do the same thing over and over again. And what's the solution to that? Well, Jesus is the solution to that. We're sinners that chase after things that we should not chase after. We rebel against our creator. And because of our rebellion against our creator, God's wrath is coming for us. His wrath is coming for us because he's given us a clear law and we've ignored it. How do we get saved from that wrath coming for? our, 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 Our admitted rebellion like we deserve it but how are we saved from this is there salvation from it yes there is it's found in jesus christ it's found from the the reality that jesus came to earth born of a virgin lived a perfect life that we could not live died on a cross took the sin that we could we we just couldn't carry the weight of that he dies in our place for our sins in so doing transfers his righteousness to us his righteousness to us as he takes our sin on him He is put in a tomb, raises again in three days in defeat of sin and death, ascends into heaven, and again is coming to judge the living and the dead. That is our hope. That's that's why in Hebrews we can endure and persevere through any situation. Why? Because of that truth that we have in Jesus. Why are we more than conquerors in every situation that is in our life even in the most devastating times? Why? Cuz of Jesus. What is our promise? Our promise is our salvation in him. What's what's frustrating about preaching like this not just kim again this is not a pick on session with kim but what i want you to see is what's frustrating with preaching like this is that it takes our promised salvation and it 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 completely devalues it and makes it something like just superficial like just now to where uh to where as it's really presented as your like this promise is a better life now and that only flies in 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 countries that you know you can have a comfortable life in try preaching this sermon in a country that no one's ever known a whole day where you know you weren't hungry a little bit or there weren't people that you literally had to you were in fear of coming and taking your life like this sermon doesn't fly in cultures like that why because that's not the reality of what scripture is saying the promise that we have is salvation in Jesus Christ and when we have salvation in Jesus, we begin to see the kingdom of heaven come into the earth now. It's this already, but not yet. We get to see families begin to reflect what they should have been all along. Why? Because of Jesus. So that's why like, this is just frustrating. Because it's nonsensical. It's just like you're so devaluing the promise of salvation of what Jesus has done by bringing it down to like these frivolous things.
1: Well, how do I get that? When you're in a negative, horrible situation, instead of complaining and calling people and talking about your spouse, talking about everybody, my job is just so crappy. Instead, you walk up in there, favor upon favor upon favor. I'm not staying here. I'm going to praise my way out. I refuse to complain where I'm at. You want better, do better. it's easier said than done? You ain't getting up anytime soon. Because you're right. It's easier said than done. It's easier to be negative. Why? Because we like to look at the water in the cup half empty instead of I got some, a water faucet and I could put some water in it. If you got a pulse, God's got a plan. He says for all of God's promises, persevere means to persist in anything undertaken, anything Maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty and obstacles or discouragement. Continue steadfastly. You know what I've discovered? That anything in life that ain't going right, it's your attitude. Why? Because we get prideful. Her husband brings her flowers to work, but he's probably a hellion at home. Well, I just don't understand why my husband doesn't do that. Your husband goes and works every day of his life right but what we're doing is we're getting caught up ain't enough ain't enough and then before long marriages are splitting apart because we're looking at the way he does her on social media because we're always relationship goals and most of the time the relationship goals are not really relationship goals
0: now do you you see what i'm saying like all of her examples are one as we talked about at the beginning of the video like they're to a specific subset of people which is problematic i think two They're all like frivolous examples. Now that doesn't mean that like relationships not working is frivolous. It's just saying that you're not addressing the root of the problem here. That, that, that selfishness and pride and attitude all go back way deeper than you just not having a good attitude. Like they go back to not having a perspective based in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not being discipled, not being mentored, not having like your church, not having a Titus 2 sort of mentality in which the older women speaking to the younger women and the older men speaking to the older men, uh, younger men. And like, this is how life is done. Like it, it takes the promise of the gospel and what that does in someone's life and brings it down into, if only I could get this relationship to work. If I, if I could just get my attitude in check, then everything would be better.
1: Y'all, we live in a society where we literally go eat. And before we even talk to the person we're eating with, we're taking pictures of our food for Instagram with sparkles on it, but we're comparing and comparing, but it means to persist, but we have to make up our minds. I'm not going to be catfished in this next season. This was, this was an event. This is not the rest of my life. The only reason the enemy's fighting me is because there's something in me. If y'all would get to a place where you realize every single mountain that you're complaining about right now, you've already made it through before. Well, not this, but you've made it through something. And if you want to get off of that road of destruction, you want to get off that road of repeat cycling, you got to make up in your mind, I'm looking at me. Well, it ain't me, Kim. It was him. Well, you chose him. You got to get to a place where you start praying. Instead of praying for them every day, pray for yourself. Pray for whatever it is inside of you that keeps attracting those things. Instead of getting defeated, sitting on the front row because you feel like, oh, my God, they didn't see me today. They didn't see me. They didn't say, Pastor Kim didn't say nothing to me today. Instead, come over to me. High five me. Girl, you bad today. I'm like, girl, you bad today. What, 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 what just happened? You got out of your feelings and got into some healing
0: oh my goodness um so anyway, we're gonna stop this short like we're not even gonna do a full hour of this because as you I mean what, I, what I'm trying to this isn't helpful in any regard because at this point she's she's now talking literally all of her advice is about you right don't pray for them pray for you pray for what's inside of you that's attracting that sort of thing instead of saying hey Um, Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to go before the Lord. Maybe you need to get your heart right, right? Maybe those are the things that you need to do before you start pursuing all of these other things because clearly you're not anchored in the gospel because you're pursuing all of these things that aren't gospel things. What happens when you listen to pastors that take a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there And the only thing that ties them together is maybe like a word. So for example, promise is that you have a incredibly distorted gospel, an incredibly distorted message that doesn't even reflect what those verses intentionally meant to reflect. And you can make them say whatever you want now. And that's incredibly problematic because now what we have and if you watch all the way through and i would encourage you the link in the description below you can watch the rest of it all the way through we're stopping at minute mark 16 uh, 16 minutes 20 seconds watch it all the way through but what you're going to find is that at no point do we talk about the gospel of jesus christ we don't talk about sin we don't talk about repentance we don't talk about pursuing christ in suffering it's, it's everything like now, making now better. And it goes back to what I've said in other sermon reviews before, that if you take out the scriptural reference, references in this sermon and just cut those out and put the rest of it together, do you have something that's still sustainable? Is it basically just a motivational talk? Because if it can, if this if, it, if this can stand by itself without the scriptural references, what good is it it's not a mess it's not it's not a it's not a pastor preaching it's a it's a pep talk for you so anyway the link will be down in the description to watch the full sermon and hopefully this is helpful to you in regards to giving you some tools to say okay when i hear a pastor preach a sermon the verses they use are clearly important so i'm going to note those down and then i'm going to spend time after that maybe at home maybe at lunch maybe at dinner whenever And I'm gonna read through and I'm gonna say, okay, this is the point that they made during their sermon. What is the text actually saying here? Is it within context? Is it actually what is being said? And I would encourage you to have some commentaries and some study Bibles there too, to kind of help kind of see what, you know, what biblical theologians have said about this same passage. So you can kind of have some walls to bounce those ideas off of, some walls to bounce what the, the particular passage you were listening to, what they said. And get into scripture and get into the word because the more you're reading the Bible, the more you're in prayer, the more you're studying who God is and what he's done and what he said, the more obvious it's going to be to you that the statements that are being made here that are they're just false. Not just from this particular sermon or for Kim, but just for pastors that preach this way. This is This is incredibly problematic and I would not suggest it at all. So links in the description below if you wanna watch the full thing. Also, hopefully that was helpful. Thank you guys for watching, subscribing, commenting, all of those things. It really helps the channel. If you found this helpful, make sure you share it with somebody else uh, and make sure you like the video because that makes YouTube go, oh, other people wanna see this and they share it with other people. So uh, that helps us out on this channel. Uh, grow as well and continue to get these videos out to people that I think uh, need to see them and hopefully it will help them as they you know try on their own as their own journey of listening to sermons and discerning uh, what the word of God says hopefully it helps them do that as well guys thank you for watching subscribing doing all the cool things that you do I'll talk to you later